Chaperone Geeks proudly presents Book of Boba Fett, Episode 2. Following audio may contain coarse language and other materials that may not be for younger audience. The opinions expressed in this audio are solely those of the speakers involved. These conversations may contain spoilers for current media such as games, comics, movies, television shows, and more. Corner Geeks makes no claim to ownership of the various media discussed, simply the opinions expressed. Listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, be sure to check out the Facebook group, 1400 Members Strong, hit that join button, answer those questions, swing on by the YouTube, hit that beautiful red subscribe button, and be sure to hit a like button on the videos you enjoy, be sure to leave comments so you can talk to your admin team, see how everyone else feels about your thoughts pertaining to your particular fandom, and listen to us anywhere off any of these beautiful services on anchor.fm slash Without further ado, Book of Boba Fett, episode two. We got a three-man panel today. We all stayed up exceptionally late for this, especially the East Coast people. Thank you. As usual, Will, how you doing? Chilling, man. And then up top, Sam with the Star Wars wall. He's ready to go. I should, you know what? I should probably turn on the lightsaber, but it's actually kind of late here, so I'm going to keep it low-key tonight. Yeah, just a little bit on the quiet side. I think Bubble Fett turned up enough for all of us. Um... Before we get too far into things, Sam, hit me with just your initial thoughts on episode two and maybe a little bit on episode one since you missed the first call. Um, Robert Rodriguez's attention to detail and being able to work so well with so little has always been impressive. Huge fan of the Desperado movies. Um, I like getting the explanation for why Boba Fett is such a loved character, getting the backstory, getting to see the things. Of course, I don't know if you all pointed it out, but the Patton Oswalt depiction and seeing that come to life, I, I love that. Um, but I, I think it's I think it's very important because, you know, for only having two minutes of screen time through Star Wars, Boba Fett is such a renowned character and you know a lot of his legacy carried on through the books and so there was always a reason to like him but not from what you could see and being able to actually see all of the feats that he's done and the things that he's doing and getting that backstory and explanation it's it's long overdue and i'm loving it i mean it's a nice throwback for old fans and new fans i'll get to be engrossed in that pandemonium, because as you were right, he had two minutes of screen time. And then everyone could not get enough of the silent man in green. Drops two sentences and all the fanboys euphorically just went nuts. Will, how do you feel about this episode? Uh, <clears throat> I thought this episode was pretty good. Uh, definitely, we get the backstory of, you know, how his... Uh, interaction with the clan and stuff goes uh and definitely shows how he's becoming more and more part of it so that we got a got uh, a good little bit of action here as well so at that so the long speeder scene was fantastic and so like that and then you know seeing the, the black wookie showed up, i don't know the name you know, i'm not as well versed as you guys but seeing you know him show up was definitely exciting for me um, if you guys paid attention to one of our previous video, if you've been a fan of the page, if you've subscribed, if you hit that like button and checked all of our videos, we did a Star Wars draft. 
I drafted a particular character, Black Kersantan. That is the name of the Wookiee that just popped up on screen. Black Kersantan has history with not only Han, Chewie, and Gang. He's got history with Obi-Wan, and he's got history with Darth Vader, and he's worked alongside Boba Fett in the past before in the books. If that applies to what we're currently seeing, no one can tell. All we got was a growl from Kersantan, um, but he is a force to be reckoned with. He's one of the better bounty hunters, and he was enlisted specifically to track down an Empire person who betrayed Darth Vader after the Battle of Yavin, and to deal with him while Boba was hired to track down Luke Skywalker on one of Darth Vader's more personal... Um, requests. So, they have history, book-wise, lore-wise. How that'll play out, I don't know. I was thrilled with a lot of the action scenes I got in this. There was a lot of uh, good humor in this, and once again, it's a... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Ming-Na Wen, Fennec Shand. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal actress. I was so pleased when she just pulled the switch for the Rancor, and she's like, it's empty, you can go. Just kind of like no the the this moment where the Gamorians were like immediately running out of the way. Mm -hmm. They Before wanted like no part. Leaned and they were like, it's gone. It's like and Gamorians are a very very tough race in Star Wars, and for them to just be like, nope, not good. I don't want any part of this. Was uh, a nice touch. Um, with the Hut's introduction, that definitely threw a wrench in everything that's going on. And I know the plot kind of hard righted at that point in time, but. Well, I, I, I still kind of like the political intrigue that's taking place because there's a power shift and with, you know, Boba Fett coming in and now he him being the new Daimo, the conversations you hear the Jabba used to run the place and then of course Bib Fortuna and now he killed Bib Fortuna and he's the new Daimo. So of course it kind of seems like one of those dynamics as, um, as you see in a lot of scenarios, he killed the reigning leader, so now he's in charge. Automatically, that puts a target on his back, and whoever kills him, they would be in charge. And so that by itself, of course, presents how are things, you know, how's this power uh, transition going to take place? How's it going to affect the townspeople? We see the mayor, of course, the, you know, the, um, assassin comes in and he's like oh yeah I'm, the mayor put me up to it then we get there and it's like oh maybe the mayor didn't do it so how does that work so of course it's i'm curious to see where the politics play out because one thing about star wars there's a lot of political involvement with all the different factions and so even though it took that turn seeing the twins come in you know seeing the huts there it's like you have to get permission to kill the huts from who? The Huts are so, very, very high in the world of power, and they've always been operating on their own levels. Where everyone knows they break the rules. The Huts are just so powerful, you can't do anything about it. You just kind of have to deal with it. And like Boba suggested, you have to go to the correct authority. Otherwise, you're kind of declaring war on the Huts, and uh, there's a lot of them. And they're quite, quite powerful. The last thing you want to do is upset a hut. Will, you were talking about those uh, action scenes. Uh, anything in particular that jumped off the screen and really just grabbed you? 
I mean, I like the whole teaching portion. Like, they were teaching him how to fight with the stick. So at that, and then he had to teach them how to ride with the speeders. And seeing how that whole scene evolved into the chasing the long speeder and getting on board and stuff like that, you know, the, the payoff is there. So at that, for them actually being a pull off something that they deemed impossible from the get-go. So uh, that was fun. It definitely shows, you know, their evolution as a clan is to getting better and becoming more trusting of Boba going forward. So, uh, Sam, same question to you. Um, the action sequences, it's impressive to see action sequences that don't involve lightsabers in Star Wars. Um, and anytime you see hand-to-hand in Star Wars, it's, it's impressive because it definitely feels a little bit more authentic. Um, doesn't have all the glitz and glamour, but like Will said, with the training montage, you get to see the evolution and his improvement and his skill level expand because when he when he went into the cantina and was taking out the um uh what was that race there was a uh Baractins something like that I don't remember the name of their gang it's, I literally it's on the tip of my tongue early. but when he's in there fighting them at the bar you know he comes in and he's got a he's got a gun so he does what he does he shoots and then of course he like beats the guy down breaks the gun on him Okay, well, that's no good to me. Goes right back to his stick, remembers his training, and takes everybody out. Um, you get to the train sequence, and I was quite impressed by, I guess it would be the number two Tuscan. The Tuscan like with dreads? Tuscan with dreads. I feel like that's a she, but just something about her, the, the stature of that particular Tuscan makes me feel like it's going to be revealed it's a she or something. Um, but anyway, she's badass and watching her like you know she looks sees what's happening comes in and just like torpedoes her speeder hops in and you just see people flying out the windows and coming off the top and just she's just running things to so me like I, she limited like four people within like a span of 20 seconds and boba and gang were like struggling with it and she was just like all right kamikaze you're gone you're gone you're gone right. you're just like Shit, just like that right. boot through the window i was that was such a great kick yeah, like even with that training montage that will was talking about like when they were fighting boba's like aha i gotcha flips the stick just one roll <laughs> catches it and then tr- flips him down holds a knife at knife point you're like oh like he was fully confident he had just won the day just to be fully thwarted and just be like all right what's next so it's nice to see at least they're explaining what's going on with Boba. Because for a while, I was like, I'm not really sure why this new look's coming from with the vest underneath the armor. That really wasn't his traditional look. I'm not really feeling it that much. Now that you know the backstory of it, it makes a lot of sense. And you're just like, all right, that this is pretty badass. I mean, to be accepted by Tuscan Raiders of all people and to be the either the one teaching them sign language or just working with them through sign language learning learning their language well um there was in the mandalorian there was mandalorian. but that would follow this so it's like either he's showing them or he's just beginning to understand it so it, it's, i do feel like there's a uh he's breaking down that language barrier there's still times where 
you see they're just looking for expressions to understand because I don't think everything translates directly as far as the hand movements and such. I think a lot of it is just, you know, implied understanding and that that communication barrier is being worked on. And since this does the flashback sequences since that takes place beforehand, it could be a development of their language, but I I feel like because they actually speak Tuscan to one another. And it seems that whenever they have to speak to someone else, maybe there's just like a base language or a base, you know, hand signaling that they've already had in place and he's just learning that. Yeah, because I would love to see that this friendship with the Tuscan Raiders pays off and either the Tuscan chief or the Tuscan with dreads, male or female, whichever one the Tuscan is, comes in at the end of this series and really helps Boba seal the victory that he needs over whichever force he's dealing with. That's the hot overarching theme I'd love to see, but, you know, it's episode two. We have a long ways to go because the series goes all the way, I believe, it's probably pretty close to the end of February because it's only going to be one a week for a while because this goes pretty much up till Obi-Wan drops and then we'll be cruising along beautifully from there and very, very excited for everything that's going on with that. Um, while we're talking about looking forward, as far as episode three, anything you'd like fleshed out more, Sam? Um, it seems like he's just like we saw the actual induction ceremony, uh, as Will's pointing out here, snorting lizards. And, you know, I'm thinking like the lizard, lizard was a hallucinogen, but it was also probably like maybe that little basket's made out of the same tree and it was just trying to take him to that. Um, but it was off obviously a rites of passage. And now that he has been inducted into their clan, he may not need the mask as the breathing apparatus, but will he get one? You know, will he be full Tuscan um, and part of the clan? And, you know, I'm curious what's going to cause him to leave that clan. He's obviously, you see where like uh, take a dances with wolves, he goes and he becomes full Indian but then something calls him away. And I'm curious what that calling away is going to be. Will, same question to you. I mean, I'm still trying to figure out what's going on with the mayor and, and Garza. That's right there, like something's going on. Of course, it's right there. So I wanna know more behind their particular politics and who's setting up who, because I still don't like the little little aid guy, the little oh, <laughs> like I really don't like him. He's that dude I, that follows the company policy to an absolute T and calls you out on everything. And just like, look, man, I just wanted the one game. Just let he reminds me of like a little finger character. <laughs> man. You no, just I, you you just you know you don't like him, but he's so good at being not likable that he's he's perfect for it. He is nailing his part. He's like, his whole job is just to be a dick to everybody. And he's like, mission accomplished. Fantastic. Good for you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, because am I the only one that when we went through that hallucinogenic trip with the tree? That kind of felt a little bit Black Panther-esque. Like when he goes to the spiritual plane, like there's a tree, there's all that back shadowing. You have like the, the moons in the background and like everything's good. And then the tree just like starts hugging him like, oh, okay, bad tree. We can, we can stop doing this now. I don't, I don't like where this is going. It's like Bubba's got a lot of weird things running around his head. Look, I started drinking tequila to try and catch up on whatever high he was on. <laughs> Something was happening. Like, 
it, it's you know obviously it's like it seems it's metaphorical in nature um like i said the lizard was causing some sort of hallucinogen and all i could think about and um jeff will probably appreciate this but star trek were the little earworms from Khan, and of course the thing goes up his nose so i'm like does it attach to his brain is it going to stay there is it helping him find water or something you know what what's this all about he gets to this tree he's obviously tripping on something and it seems like he's trying to work through some emotions and you know some anguish because he kind of had that little momentary flashback of being in the sarlacc pit and of course that kind of freaked him out and he's got this uh claustrophobia happening so yeah it was it was definitely trippy and i could see how you would relate that to to what we saw in black panther because it was very mystical and a lot was happening in that moment in his head so yeah because i like i know in japanese culture though a lot of stuff when you go on trips it's always they try and romanticize it with like a purple backdrop it's just a tree on top of a hill the moon is like overtaking the tree kind of thing it's a very type of spiritual look that they were going for and i was like it called me directly to black panther because again marvel disney disney owns star wars and both so i was like i feel like they're kind of double dipping in a way but hey whatever you guys do you you make your money no one's gonna sit here it's a popular trope so i don't don't read too much into it got a sound stage already on 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 deck (laughs) (laughs) yeah so with that any other thoughts we'd want to touch upon for this episode specifically or feel we've talked about everything that's needed to for this episode too i like the montage of him making his own stick that was that was pretty cool it was a very nice explanation because i was like okay we know he gets a stick we know the stick he has is lethal as hell because he cracked a stormtrooper's freaking skull with it we need to know where this came from and now now the mystical dune sea tree the one tree in the desert (laughs) Anything for you, Will? Oh, man. I mean, I'm just waiting to see freaking Santee start scrapping. I want to see what, you know, what your boy's going to do. Oh, Black Chewbacca there. Black so. Santin. He's, he's got a nickname, Santee. Uh, Black K is also another one of his nicknames. I was like, ah, I don't I don't really feel like that one's the way of going about it. But Black Santin's got some history. He's, he's one of the OG bounty hunters. Because, I mean, we already got Bosk paid off in Clone Wars, so... It's nice to see Chrysanthemum have his day. Um, that being said, guys, be sure to hit that like button. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Be sure to leave your thoughts in the comments below on anything we missed. Thank you, Sam, for joining us for today's panel. Will, thank you, as always, for doing what you do, being here. I'm Brent, just running host, just doing what I can. Thank you for listening to Grown Geeks on your preferred streaming service. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and YouTube, both under Grown A Geeks.